Sportsnet today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Calgary. Good afternoon from the snow globe that is downtown Calgary. I'm Patrick Dumas, Sportsnet Today, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, where they are the local experts for basement, waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. We are all things basementy. Visit DL Systems, Basement Systems, Calgary.com. It is a Calgary Flames game day. Uh, Looking the wounds from whatever last night was. Uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks, dropped a 5-1 decision. It is a Calgary Flames game day brought to you by South Point Toyota. It's time to Toyota under the Toyota Tower. Pre-order from over 400 incoming new Toyotas with $0 down and no payments until April 2023 OAC. Calgary and Seattle is the action tonight. 7 o'clock for Flames warm-up, 8 o'clock for uh, Flames uh, for the game day. Puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan uh, looks like they're going to be no Matty Beneers for Seattle tonight. Of course, he took the uh, took the rough hit from uh, Tyler Myers during the uh, during the uh, game against Vancouver a couple nights ago. Uh, looks like uh, no Beneers in the lineup tonight. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, no word on what the Flames will do. Of course, they were uh, they flew right after the game last night into Seattle. Uh, and of course, we kick off every program on Sportsnet today with the Calgary Flames color analyst, uh, Peter Labardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group. Your home renovation should be a reflection of you, who you are. Give your home Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, how are you enjoying the uh, welcome back to winter here in Calgary? Uh, it stinks. Oh, yeah, I agree. Not a fan. Did not expect, not ex- did not expect that when I went out for a coffee this morning, as I tend to do. Um, yeah, I did not see that coming. It looks like it's starting to slow down a little, at least in this part of the city. So hopefully that is the case. Well, that's good because it looks like a dang snow globe down uh, down here at the 960 studios. Uh, I want to get to. Uh, we'll talk about last night's game here in a little bit, but I want to get to your thoughts. Uh, no, Maddie Beneers. It looks like tonight. He was not on the ice for morning skate. Could miss tonight after he took that hit from Tyler Myers. Just a uh, thought on that. Well, if you're a Flames supporter, I would say that it's not disappointing. I hope for the case of the leading candidate, I would suggest for the rookie of the year, just a terrific two-way center iceman who you can absolutely build a program around up front. That will be a huge hole to fill, at least for tonight. For Seattle and again should give the Flames a bit of an advantage in terms of not having to deal with Beneers and his great two-way play and everything he does for that hockey team but I'm almost at the point after last night where I'm not sure I want other teams best players to be out of the lineup when mm-hmm. they face the Flames now I'm not saying that is the driving factor to maybe why there's been some tougher nights, maybe none more difficult than last night against Chicago. But I I do believe, and if you've ever played sports, I get it. There's, There's a different feeling going into a game when you know that the other team has everybody and their best people available to them. So it should absolutely create an advantage down the middle for Calgary tonight. But it's only advantages, you know, Mr. Dumas, if you take advantage of it. 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, not even 10 days ago when Colorado rolled through town, you said it. That was maybe previous to last night, their worst effort of the night of, of the year. They had no Makar in the lineup. They were already beat up, and Colorado just took it to them. And again, with last night, no Taves in the lineup. Kane's back in, but we know what Chicago is. They entered last night as the 31st team in the league in points percentage. Just a straight-up disappointing, disheartening, concerning. It, it just was not fun last night, Lou. No, uh, that is a excellent way to put it. No, it wasn't fun. And it certainly wasn't fun for the guys who I think we all should remember that. Not fun for the guys participating. And even as you looked around the league last night, the Flames were not the only yeah. team. Yeah. in a expected win situation who dropped the ball. And I think that is very much, and I said it on the post-game show last night, very much a formula where you are involved in such a tight race, and a lot of teams are across the league, and every night feels like it's so big. So you don't try to do this, Patty. Mm-hmm. You really don't. But, you know, it just goes without saying. You know, Gary Bettman and his... Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, the same week he doesn't... He said, there's no tanking. Well, look what's happening. The three worst well, teams in the league win. Well, but that's the thing. Yeah. That's exactly it. I mean, they're proud. They're playing with house money. There's no pressure on a team like Chicago last night. All the pressure in those kind of games is pretty much on everybody else, especially if you're in a playoff spot or right trying to get into a playoff spot. So those games, I'm sorry, they're they're way easier to play for the opponent. Now, that does not, let me be clear, that does not discard what we saw last night. No. In, in any way, shape, or form. But I do. It's This has been an incredibly trying, frustrating, up-and-down season for this hockey team. And... But in the marketplace, the record is still pretty good, Patrick, mm-hmm. um, especially since early December. I don't think we can forget about that. But, no, that's that's now, for me, two efforts in an eight-day span that you can't have. You just you can't have it. And if they want to make the playoffs, you might get away with, I don't know, two more of those in your final 33 games of the year. Yeah. And they do have the second technical easiest strength of schedule away, so there will be some teams that, hey, games you should win, but we know this season the Flames don't usually win these games against teams they should beat. Well, they haven't at times. At times this year, I should say. Yeah. At times. And my definition always, and it's never changed, and I don't, think it will change unless somebody gives me a reason to think differently and that's I'm always open to that but here's what I say playoff teams do not lose a lot of games during the course of the season to non-playoff teams that is the great separator that's why this week going into it I felt even though tonight's you know a really important divisional game I just felt you have got to have four points against those two opponents this week and they squeaked one out and then frankly laid an egg in many ways last night and now you know with the chance to gain a couple of points at least for a night on some other teams you let one slip away to a group that those teams probably aren't going to lose to 
But we saw what happened the other night in Edmonton. Yeah, Columbus. It's a perfect example. And they brought a hell of an effort here on Monday, too. They sure did. And that will be, I think, in many ways, two things, Patty. It'll be what you do within your division and your record for the Flames in the last 33 games Mm -hmm. against teams not in the playoffs. Because, as you mentioned, the Flames schedule does lean more that way as of right now than many other teams. Uh, we want to talk about that, that bad defensive stretch there, the three goals in a little over six-minute span there in the second period that probably soaked that one away. We, we know the Tanov loss is huge, but even a team against like, like a team like Chicago, that, that, they made you look rough. That pass, Zdorov and Uyghur just go, Kane bites you in and finds the wide-open pass there. They're 1-5-2 and five and two without Tanov. That, he is that, that important. Well, he is that important. But last night, again, was where emotion and frustration got to this group. And when it gets to you, what you generally do is you get away from what makes you successful. You start to press. You want more activity in the offensive zone where they did not spend nearly enough time making life difficult on Chicago, especially... Mm-hmm. In periods number one and two, I think they only had 17 shots on goal after Something two right periods now. of play and ended up having, you know, a decent third with the other team understanding they had a three goal advantage. But when you press and when you get away from your structure and you try to do too much, you end up on the wrong side when the other team has it and make no bones about it. This team has got to check in all three zones to be a successful team. And they are playing a team tonight that, even without veneers, makes it very difficult to get around their net. They have only surrendered 29.7 shots on goal. The Flames just barely ahead of them at 29.8. And they have a big physical defense who as most teams try to do against the Flames, will try to keep you to the outside of the rink. And without veneers, their focus will be even more in that department with Larson and Alexiak and Susie and go on down the line. That's a pretty good group back there. Yeah, they don't, they don't They don't get enough credit for Seattle's 28-14-5 record because, you know, one of the first things people talk about is wow, they've scored a lot more goals than we thought they would. And that is not incorrect. That is a factual statement. But what allows you to score more generally is because you have the puck more. And that means your checking game is in good, good stead. So that's how they have climbed their way in the standings and are 14 games above 500 entering the third of four meetings against Calgary. Is this the third and final? Yep, third and final. This is the third and final. Yeah, and I don't think they're going anywhere. I think anybody was thinking the Kraken were going to fall off. No, I think this team is for real, uh, for sure. Uh, Mackey and Stone last night. Of course, Connor Mackey's first game in, I think, 17. But Michael Stone's been trending not the greatest of late. Uh, they called up Dennis Gilbert yesterday. Any chance you think he gets in the lineup for one of those yeah, two? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. And and I don't think it, it won't be for Michael Stone. No, Mackey. Um, it'll be Connor Mackey if indeed there is a change there. So the one thing we know about Dennis is 
he seems to fight in every game yeah, he gets involved in. <laughs> for sure. Been suspended for a couple of games at yeah. the American League level. Um, you know, he does have several games under his belt this season. And I think he's an old enough player and not overly experienced in terms of games played, but he knows exactly who and what he is mm-hmm. at this level. And I truly believe that is what the biggest struggle is right now for Connor Mackey outside of the fact that he just doesn't play a lot of games. And even though he's 26 years old, he does not have a lot of professional experience under his belt with, you know, between four years in school and then COVID and everything that went hand in hand with that. So, you know, Gilbert, I truly believe whether I watch him at the American League level, which I have many times this year and in the NHL, I think he knows exactly who and what he is and potentially what he has to do to stay. So that, by the way, however, is not going to be the determining factor of tonight's game. What will be is how you check as groups of five, and you, you're going to need way more from your top four tonight. 100%. It was, it was not a good night for what's a pretty good group. I don't know if you. I heard. I don't know if you had a take on this. I didn't hear the pregame or, or during the broadcast yesterday. But are we? Is it overlooking the fact that Markstrom got the start against the worst technical worst team in Chicago, and they're rolling with Vladar tonight against uh, a much better team? Is Vladar seemingly creeping his way into like, hey, he might be the guy right now? You know, this team, like, I'm frustrated with them a little bit today because they, they hung their goalie. Oh, hell yeah. 100%. Again, last night. Now, no run support. No run support. Nothing but grade A's, odd man rushes, Mm -hmm. especially the first two periods. You know, I said this last night, Patty. If he isn't good in the first two periods, they might have been down seven or eight. Oh, and I'm, Colin Blackwell could have made it that is on his own. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, that is is Mr. Vladar moving into that category? Well, he hasn't lost in regulation in 12 games. So he's played well. And, you know, what's going to happen tonight? This team's going to play way better again <laughs> in front of him than they did last night. So I don't know if this team has a... Because I know it has nothing to do with how confident or not confident they are. I almost think sometimes where he is concerned, they they actually have enough confidence to feel like maybe they can take some more risks because he's in goal. But it's, it's hard to know. You have to mm-hmm. be in that room. You have to ask players and I know when we asked Jason LaBarbera after the game on Monday it, I would have loved to have shown you the look on his face <laughs> like are you kidding so he might know a thing or two about the goaltending position and how people are playing and nobody's going to deny the fact that Daniel Vladar has had a whale of a run a whale of a run oh, I think yeah. he has a legitimate chance to be a true number one. I agree. But you don't know that, Patty, until you are the guy. And clearly the guy. Which would mean we won't really know that about Daniel Vladar probably until Jacob Markstrom 
is no longer on this hockey team. Mm -hmm. Might he get some more starts? I think he probably already has. But that's not a bad thing because it puts you – look at tonight. Tonight's the perfect example. Back in the day and not very long ago, you'd be really concerned tonight. Mm-hmm. Having to go to that other person, <laughs> I agree. You would, you would probably feel very inclined to go right back. There's a laundry list of names that backed up 34 that we didn't want to go to. There you go. So it's, and I and I get the frustration. The other thing about Jacob Gier that people have to consider is, in terms of save percentage, like if you're evaluating him that way. It's like power plays and penalty kills, which the more I think about it, we really shouldn't absolutely look at percentages. We should look at goals for and against. They tell a better they tell a better story, even in the special teams game. And so if your percentages start and you're really low, then it's hard to catch up. And it's and it's not unlike that for goalies. So here's another example. Not as much about the goalie, but about special teams. Would you be shocked if I told you that going into last night, the Calgary Flames had the sixth best penalty kill in the National Hockey League, percentage-wise? Chicago was 26 or 27. Mm -hmm. You know what the difference was going into last night of power play goals given up by those two teams? Three. (laughs) Chicago had given up 34. Calgary had given up 31. Wow. No, that's a good way of looking at it. Totally. I think I think I think, I'm thinking we're starting just because of the way goaltending is. We look at the wins, we look at the losses, we look at the save percentage, we look at the the, the goals against. It's no, I I, I agree. I think it's becoming a stat. That's going to be those type of numbers going forward for sure. And I think we should move away and start looking at what you're looking at. Well, that's, that's what I try, absolutely. And again, part of that, especially on the special teams, because I still do think, needless to say, that save percentage and actual goals that you give up is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. That, doesn't change, that doesn't change that much. But save percentage can be very difficult if you're a team like Calgary that gives up you know, 27 shots a night and, and Jacob's under 900. You're going to need about six one-goal games from him and maybe some shutouts mixed in to get that in a way better place. Uh, Daryl mentioned last night uh, he tried to get a spark with the lines when he threw uh, Hubert always jumping. You know, eventually we saw Pelche up with him and Kadri. What did you make of that line? I thought you know outside of Markstrom, Pelche was probably the best flame on the ice last night, and I think those three going forward, I think this is what we should see. Well, we'll see if that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, to Jake, to Jacob's credit, I thought he was their best skater last night, and he played on three different lines. Yeah, Backlund. throughout the course of the night, he's he had a go around with with Backlund and Mangiapane, and then in the third, he had a go around with Huberto and Nazem Kadri. I, I really like what I've seen. Now, granted, it's three games. Yep. He's excited. You know, he, the thing that I wanted to mention today about Jacob or even someone like Walker Dewar. So remember, they have spent obviously the majority of their season with the Calgary Wranglers. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of 
winning going on there. Yep. There has not been a lot of frustration in their game or their season. Credit to Mitch Love and that fine group, you know, that also calls Scotiabank Saddledome home. So not only are you excited for your first stint in the National Hockey League, as Jacob is, you're not carrying a lot of the baggage that other guys on this team have been in many ways all season long. Mm-hmm. So between the years, which frankly is the most important part of this sport in so many different ways, I think that's helpful. I, I really, really do. You know, he's and, – and he's playing with pace. And what I really like about him is – and I always have, Patty. He makes some really good decisions with a puck. And not just to make plays, but to understand your team needs a change. So chipping it down the boards to allow that to mm-hmm. happen. You know – Sometimes, a couple times last night, he's at the end of a shift and he, and he throws a cross-corner dump into a spot where his team has a chance to get it back. So, I'm not sure he's going anywhere for a while. Now, I wouldn't also be shocked, by the way, if Brett Ritchie gets back in the lineup tonight. Yeah. So, we'll see. You know, we're going to have to wait till warm-up, I think, to get some of those answers. The team... I know they had a meeting about 25 minutes ago, and then they're in the middle of an optional skate coming right up here. So that'll be it'll be interesting. But again, you know, in in every market they spend, including this one, we spend a lot of time talking about who's coming in and who's going out forever. And I'm going to say this not for the last time, at least the last time on this hit. It is what your best people do night after night after night that is the true determiner of your wins and losses and whether you're a good team or whether you're an average team or whether you're a bubble team. Time for uh, my favorite part of the week. It's uh, What Does Lou Say? And it's uh, brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Treat the Yum. special yeah, damn right. Treat the special person in your life uh, this Valentine's Day with an incredible three-course dinner. Make your reservation today at ruthschrissteakhouse.ca. And when this question came across the email, I was like, oh, my God, I, I, I'm so glad I get to ask this question because, Lou, I, you're going to love it. I think this is right okay. up your alley. Uh, Justin, you're the winner. Uh, you're going to go get a $200 gift card to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse plus a pair of lower bowl tickets uh, to the Flames and Red Wings coming up on February 16th. And the Red Wings, I think, could uh, tie into this question a little bit later on. But uh, uh, So here it is. Hi, Lou. Uh, since you are so knowledgeable and invested in the WHL and seem to know which team every current and former NHL player who played in the WHL played for, my question is this. Who is the best WHL, WHL player you've ever seen that never could quite stick it in the NHL? Being from Saskatchewan, players like Frank Bannum, Mark Dial, Josh Holden, our names that stick out to me, but I'm curious who you think it is. Those are some great names, and my guess is I might have a few more years. <laughs> uh, and this is a terrific question. There are probably, there are many names, actually, that come to mind. But the number one name for me, and he and I joke about it a lot, is Dale Durkach, okay, a former Regina Pat. Mr. Dumas, do yourself a favor. Okay. When you get a little break, 
go and look up Dale Durkacz's stats. Three 60-point seasons, or 60-goal seasons, with the Regina Pats. He still holds the Western Hockey League playoff record for points in a single playoff year, 1983-84, with 53. I'm looking at it right now. (laughs) So he would certainly be front of mind because he's still, to this day for me, one of the greatest juniors I've ever watched. And he laughs at me and... (laughs) You know, that is funny because the funny part of that story is growing up, I couldn't stand him because I was a massive fan growing up of the Saskatoon Blades. So, you know, his nickname was The Rat, and for good reason. (laughs) But he was an incredible player. Um, Others that probably come to mind, certainly from that type of era in particular, and, you know, I could have six hours of this if I really I got nothing to. coming up at 1230 so if you're good okay. I'm good um two defensemen also interestingly enough Regina Pats John Miner and Selmar Odling who by the way is the older brother of Lyle Odling who okay. had an excellent NHL career yep. Um, was even part of Canada's World Cup team in Montreal in 1996 he didn't play much but he was on that team. Well, in junior, with no disrespect to Lyle, uh, he couldn't hold Selmar's pants. <laughs> Selmar was a two-time world junior player, just fabulous. And, you know, he was in the Oilers organization, and it just it just never panned out for him. So, Durkacz, Odlin... Take a look sometime, too, at Joe Sackick's brother Brian's numbers with the Tri-City Americans. Okay, yeah, I've heard Brian, yeah. Yeah, those are uh, quite massive and quite large. So, yeah, I could go through a, a who's who of guys who were, like, not good juniors, but incredible juniors and just didn't quite ever pan out at the NHL level. No, for sure. And I think that was a, a good team to win these tickets for. I know the Red Wings have a huge history with that great province of Saskatchewan. You think of Gordie Howe, Sid Abel, Joey Kosher, Brad McCrimmon, hell, the Weyburn Red Wings. I, uh, you're not going to get any disagreement from me. Oh, that's awesome. I love talking Brad about Mc, Brad McCrimmon and miss him dearly. Yes. Um, hard to believe that was in 2000. I know. Me and Brody um, were just talking about that before the break and because uh, Brody's from Brandon and he, he knew Kelly quite a bit. He talked with Kelly and he didn't need to know Brad actually passed away in that, in that uh, accident. Yeah. So in that uh, Russian plane crash yeah. and he's the head coach of locomotive. Yeah. Oh. In, in the Memorial cup final in 1979, which was staged in Verdun, Quebec, mm-hmm. in Brandon and Peterborough. Well, that Wheat Kings team went 58-5-9. He missed one shift Wow! In that, in that game. He played 58 and a half minutes, Brad McCrimmon, oh in that God. game. And then we know, you know, you, you won't find anybody who ever was associated with the Beast that doesn't have magical, marvelous, memories but lost to us 
far too soon. By the way, one quick note before I go, Pat. Of course. I know the weather's not the greatest. Um, there is an amazing hockey event today going on at Scotiabank Saddleville. It is yes. Yes. the Crow Child Challenge. It matches Mount Royal University against the University of Calgary in a women's game that begins at four. And then in the men's side of things at 645. Now, it's not because I don't care. I support all genders very well in this sport in my spare time. But I can tell you this is the biggest game that the dinosaur men have played against Mount Royal. They are atop the Canada West standing. Mm-hmm. And Mark Howell's team, I think, is riding a 17-game win streak, the Dinos, and Bert Jilling's team at Mount Royal, where he and his staff have done an amazing job, are right there. So they're going to meet twice. It's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere, and I am just flat-out sad. I've never been to one yet, just because of how my schedule No, it's fair. I may try to get down today for a couple periods of the gals clash. Um, Everybody tells me it's an unbelievable spectacle, and I say this all the time. It's probably, in my opinion, the best-kept hockey secret sports hockey no, that there is in, I, in our country. I agree. The, the amount of talent, and I, I, I'm, I wanted to get a question in about Luke Philp last night. Uh, just uh, amazing story getting him first, you know, second NHL game, getting his first NHL point. Family coming down from Canmore. I just, I don't know how awesome. I, I had a quick thought on that, but Luke well, Philp. I again, I, I've been watching him, you know, going back to his great days and Kootenai mm-hmm. got traded in his final year captain. to the Red Deer Rebels. They named him the captain exactly um, in 2015-2016 when they hosted the Memorial Cup. Um, smart, intelligent, huge years, including in 2019. He was the U Sports Hockey Player of the Year with the Alberta Golden Bears at 45 points, I believe, mm-hmm. that season. Um Smart, you know, and then last year had a really good year in Stockton. That's where he's been the last couple of years. So really excited for him and had his first point in the league last night. So what a what a perfect what a perfect spot for him to yeah. record his first NHL point, you know, with family and friends about an hour down the road. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, good good story from Luke Phil. Thank you, Lou. We'll get to chat with you next week. So enjoy your time off and we'll uh, we'll circle back when the flames are back. Yeah, stay young, everybody, and be careful out there on the road. So have a great weekend. Thank you very much, Lou. That's uh, Peter Labardius, Calgary Flames color commentator. Uh, You'll hear him tonight in just a matter of a few hours as he'll be uh, joining Pat Steinberg for Flames warm-up coming up at 7 o'clock. Of course, uh, What Does Lou Say was brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Now open Tuesday to Sunday at 5 p.m. The perfect place to indulge before the game. Enjoy prime steak, broiled to perfection, and served on a sizzling 500-degree plate. Valentine's Day just a couple weeks away. So uh, good on you, Justin. You'll be uh, heading out to the Red Wings and Flames on the 16th as well. You need that $200 gift card from Ruth's Chris. Uh, we'll play some Flames audio from last night. We'll hear from the coach. Uh, I believe Tyler Toffoli spoke, as did Rasmus Anderson. 
as well. We'll get you set for uh, eight games tonight in the NHL. Some big news no, out of Toronto. Uh, no Austin Matthews. He's going to miss some time. He's being replaced in the All-Star game as well. Uh, Sportsnet Today rolls on next here on Sportsnet 960. The Pen. Back to Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Welcome back. Welcome back. Winter as well. The, the polar vortex that they were calling for isn't going to be that bad. It's only going to be cold this weekend. Then we get back to the nice single digits. And February's here. And before you know it, February's a short month, too. Before you know it, March will be here. Springtime. Love spring. My favorite time of year. Favorite time of year. We know what's coming up here next week. Sportsnet 960 Beer League broadcast. It's back Thursday, February 2nd at Winsport. The Whalers are going to kick the butts of the Lushes. Hear that afternoon show? Not a chance. No chance. Well, if Brody's got something to say about it, he's got something to say about it here. I'm, I'm just saying I got a great motivational speech going. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything for the Lushes. I don't know if they're going to be ready to come out swinging like the Whalers. Why would we way. share our inside information with you? I'll say this speech, they're going to run through a wall for Alex. They're going to run through a wall. Got some good inspiration for it. So, yeah, the Whalers and Lushes will be at Windsport. You come out and join us. It's free to the public. Doors at 6, puck drop at 7. Uh, of course, you can make it. It'll be broadcast right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, Flames alumni Brent Cron and Paul Cruz, uh, they'll be serving as your celebrity officials. Uh, of course, the fine folks at Wide Wild Rose Brewery are sponsoring. Uh, Wild Rose is your home for quality craft beer in Alberta. Find it in pubs, restaurants, and liquor stores around this great province. Or check them out in the tap room in southwest Calgary seven days a week. Uh, yeah, Flames uh, dropped a nasty one last night. That was that was disheartening. That was bad last night. Especially, you need those two points in a game against a team where you should beat them. You should beat that team. And that's the second time in a matter of a month, less than a month, that you've dropped points to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh if you're hope, you know, I listened to the press conference last night. Daryl wasn't uh, wasn't feisty. He's a little more calmer, I think. Uh, we'll hear from him right now. Uh, here's uh, here's the coach after last night's five one defeat at the hands of the Chicago Blackhawks. Daryl, when you guys played Chicago earlier in the month, it, it was a pretty good game. Um, I, I know that you were pretty pleased in general with the performance. The result didn't go your way. What did you take from from that game? That game, um, I think we had directed about eighty. Over 80 shots at their net. Um, we'd like to finish a little bit more. They scored early in the first and early in the second. I think our power play scored two goals. And, uh, and actually, I think Chicago had a 3-1 lead. We scored two. This made it 3-2 and then 3-3. I think the Domi line had three goals. It's a milestone night. Tyler Toffoli, 700 games in this league. I mean, you've been with him for a long time. What can you say about that? Yeah, I mean, he's a pretty good player for a long time. Paid his dues in the American League and did this. He's taken a similar path that, quite honest, that some of the young guys here have taken where they'd. Uh, our plan with Ty was to bring him up, let him watch, send him back, bring him up, play him a little, send him back, and then, and then give it to him. And. Actually, I remember, don't remember much about him. But regular season early in his career, I remember. I remember playoffs early in his career more. He said, I found this old quote where he said after he scored his first goal that he didn't want to let you down because you put him out on the power play. Did yeah. he seem ready for that type of opportunity that then, early in his NHL then, career? Yeah. yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, his junior career was filled with that, right, with 
two-way play and power play. And then actually, I think he, at, uh, I think his 19-year-old year, he might have led the OHL in shorthand goals too, if you look at it. So, uh, you know, it's a real similar path that you, you have to take to develop the young guys. And, and because of that, he matured properly as a player and became a really good player. You look in a cup team, he was, you know, he played in a line with, with uh, another young player that we did the same with, Tanner Pearson. Those guys came came along and took, took guys' places and became really big contributors. In those days you had some titanic battles with Kane and Taves and that team. And is, is it hard to envision them in another jersey or is that just the nature of the business now? Well, I, you know, I, just because you played against these guys, those guys so much, you have a lot of respect for them, right? They beat us, we beat them. If you look at the Cups, who won the Cups those years, was, you know, we knew, we always knew it was if we could get out of the our division that we were going to get Chicago. And if you look at when we won and they won, who played each other. And the best series I've ever coached was the Chicago uh, LA series, seven games. Oh, and it goes to overtime, the seventh game. And so you have a lot of respect for them guys. So do I envision them in a different jersey? I mean, that was my team growing up and still kind of my jersey, so I kind of identify them guys with that. What's the key to keeping the guys focused with uh, two quick ones before the All-Star break? Yeah, I think just the, you know, we're in the race, right? It's the heat of the battle. If you look at it, there's six points and the, separate the division was it five teams and you do it in the wild cards probably six teams except six points separate those teams so you know what you have to be hungry for your points what are your plans for the all-star break uh you know because spend a couple days at the end of it up at the farm daryl's gonna go to the farm here after uh tomorrow or after tonight's uh, meeting with the Seattle crack. And he mentioned uh, Jacob Pelche there up and down the lineup. He played with Michael Backlund, Andrew Mangiapane. He stepped up on the first line there. Uh, or not the first line, but the second line, I guess, with uh, Huberto and Kadri. We'll see what happens tonight. I, I don't know. I liked what Pelche. I think everybody likes what Pelche's brought these three games. I think he's gotten better and better. He played just a little over 15 minutes last night. You know what? I, there was a spot in the third period there. I think he shot on net. If I think if he shot first, he shot. He fake shot. Went around the defender and then shot. I think he might have taken that shot the first time. Who knows what happens there? But he's getting, he's in the right position. I find he's in the right spots. Lou mentioned he's doing the right things. He's not, you know, he's throwing the body too. For a smaller guy, he's not looking out of place. So I think the best thing we could see is more Jake Pelche. I think he's an energy, he's a, he's a spark plug this team needs right now. And Lou mentioned it in our conversation. It, they're winning down in, in, in with the Wranglers. It's a fun atmosphere to be in. There's a lot, it's a loose place to be. And sometimes maybe you come up to this NHL club and maybe it's not feeling as loose, depending on how you are right now. And it's the, with the play, with the coach, whoever it is. It just sometimes doesn't feel fun watching these guys play. And we get it. You know, they played really well against Tampa Bay and the Columbus game had a lot of energy. And do they need some driving force to make them play better? I don't know. Like Chicago, I get it. Chicago is not a fun time, fun team to play against. They're, they're bad. You know, we talk, <laughs> we're like, oh, where's Patrick Kane going to go? Like, no Jonathan Taze, but that Max Domi line, Frank Saravalli mentioned it on the big show yesterday on Thursday. Like, he's a target for the Flames. I think if they're not going to go big fish hunting, which I don't think they can with guys with term, and they don't want to go get a rental, like a like an enigma like Vladimir Tarasenko, as good as he can be, you just don't know what you're going to get with him from time to time. I think Max Domi might be a guy that just 
looks like a guy that could fit in this team. You don't have to play him at center. If he can play the wing, I think he'd be a, a really good piece on this team. We'll see. Uh, I think Tree Living wants to see what will happen after this five-day break or after this nine-day break. And it is starting of a five-game road trip, technically, with a giant nine-day break thrown in the middle. So it's in Seattle and it's out east. So we'll see uh, what happens. I think we'll see what happens with this team out of this break. If you see what happens and that east coast swing might, uh, we'll see if Tree wants to push the needle forward. Because you know how he likes to get business done early. Uh, Rasmus Anderson last night, uh, yeah, not a great defensive unit from the six, but we'll hear from Rasmus Anderson right here. We just start with, uh, just these two games going to the break. Obviously the uh, positioning has been back and forth as we know in the standings, but, uh, how can you set yourself up here heading into the break? Uh, win two games. <laughs> That's how we can set ourselves up and, uh, you know, two, two tough games and, uh, you know, back to back in Seattle and, um, a tough test today. Uh, you know, we lost in Chicago in OT, so uh, just got to be ready to play tonight and, um, yeah, and take it from there. Does that one still sit in the back of your mind a little bit, that, that one earlier this month in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, I felt like we didn't play our best game there. We kind of uh, gave a point away, so um, obviously that's a point we would like back. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a new day, new opportunities. Daryl's talked a lot about defensemen being 5% better when a guy like Tanner goes down. So what goes into a guy being 5% better on the ice when your player suffers an injury like that? Is that yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's something we talked about all year. Everybody's got to be a little bit better. And, uh, you know, when, when Chris goes down, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, such a, he's such a good player. He, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's really good defensively and um, good on the PK. So uh, it's obviously... Um, the other six of us that's playing has got to step it up a little bit. And um, as I said, he's, he's a really good, really good and important player for us. He's uh, he's our leader on the back end. And, uh, you know, when he goes down, uh, the other six of us got to step up. What don't we see out of him that maybe you see that, that you appreciate that much more? Um, I think there's a lot you guys don't see about Chris. Um, you know, he's just his ability to break pucks out um, his ability to win one-on-one battles in the corners uh, his PK you know his, uh, just his mindset on the bench and stuff like that you guys have no clue about how, he's, how he is on the bench and um, you know how calm he is in every situation and um, stuff like that so as I said when Chris goes down um, the other six of us have to have to play even better eh I don't know Rasmus I think Everybody in this city, and I think everybody that works around the team for media-wise knows exactly what Chris Tanev is, and he is a very calming presence. You look at Vancouver, what happened with Quinn Hughes since Chris Tanev has left. Uh, You see what happens with this team since Chris Tanev has left. He is a very, very important piece, and he's a very calming presence. Uh, So, yeah, I think we all know how important Chris Tanev is. To this club. Uh, eight games tonight in the NHL. Uh, some news out of Toronto. Austin Matthews is going to miss the next three weeks. Uh, sprained knee, it sounds like. I don't know what's what now. I know if you listen to the Merrick show, Chris Cuthbert made a little speculation that something could have happened in the warm-up uh, during that game. Uh, he was supposed to be mic'd up with the TNT broadcast, then the mic wasn't around during the game. So maybe something happened in there. I know Keith said happened during the game, not doubting that for sure. Uh, but yeah, the Leafs will be without Austin Matthews, who really, as good as Austin Matthews is this year, he's still putting up elite numbers. And I don't think anybody was expecting him to maybe do what he did last season. 
but maybe there isn't there's a little something off with Austin Matthews and it's just uh it's just a little thing is messed up there with Matthews. I don't know. Feels a little little a uh, little wrong there. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Uh Red Wings and Islanders go at five o'clock. You wonder if the Islanders start thinking about selling off some pieces here. They're five points out of the eastern wildcard spot. Scott Mayfield, uh Zach Preezy are pending UFAs. Even Josh Bailey possibly at a five million with one year left. I know he's a the guy's down a little bit offensively, but we'll see what happens uh there. Uh, Sharks and Hurricanes is a good one at five o'clock uh, out in Raleigh. Uh, Timo Meyer, he's a name that's been brought up lately. He's got his ten million dollar qualifying offer waiting for him this off season. So just waiting to see if San Jose's get ready to move on from him. They started uh, their trades uh, a couple days back with sending Matt Nieto back to Colorado. Uh, Shannon Goldman was on with the Merrick Show yesterday, mentioned possibly as uh, maybe the Jets or Devils as possible destinations for a guy like Timo Meyer. Devils are. Because, you know, they're really good and they have all the Swiss players, right? Winnipeg, intriguing spot uh, as well. Someone in that top six on the wing feels like might be all they're missing. I know they're pretty down in the faceoff dot as well. Uh, Eight o'clock tonight, Blue Jackets and the Canucks, the Bedard Bowl. Uh, Jackets, so entering tonight with a 13.5% chance at winning the draft lottery. The Canucks with a 7.5% chance. Blue Jackets showing a lot more fight, though, through this Western Canada trip. You know, they got a point here. On Monday, taking the two points against Edmonton, uh, Rick Tockett will surely probably be booed again tonight. Uh, Bruce, there it is, chance perhaps. Uh, maybe the only good thing that Canucks fans make thing ha- them happy is another loss and getting closer to Connor Bedard. Nice resigning though, of Andre Kuzmenko. We wondered there if he was possibly a trade piece that they could do, but he re-ups for a uh, two-year $5.5 million per uh, on the AAV there. So good year from Andre Kuzmenko, one of the bright spots on that Canuck team as well. And we're broadcasting you from live from the D- Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Worried about uh, radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Seattle Kraken are the opponent tonight. Uh, we're probably not going to see Matty Beneers, which is unfortunate. Probably not if you're a Flames fan, but if you're neutral, Matty Beneers has been a hell of a player this year and probably going to be the win- winning winner of the Calder Trophy, but uh, he left that game against Vancouver. Uh, We'll see what his status is going forward, and we will talk with Jeff Baker, Seattle Kraken writer from the Seattle Times, up next as Sportsnet Today continues on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.